Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Yeah, again, welcome today. I'm so glad that you're here. You can have a seat this morning. If you're new with us, we are a church that is about to celebrate one year of life together. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So in two weeks, on January 26, we're having a big celebration, and uh, we want the kids to celebrate too. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn that whole side of the gym into like a jumpy kingdom with inflatable houses for them. And so, uh, and we're going to have a big time here. We're going to share some stories about what God has done. We're going to celebrate one year and uh, give him all glory. And so I'm so excited about that. If you have friends that need a church, you should bring them on that Sunday. I think it's going to be a powerful time. So January 26th is coming up in two weeks. And uh, we started last week a series called It's Time for a Change. And uh, we, we talked about this being the new year, and this is the time where we talk about life change and those New Year's resolutions. The stats or the studies tell us 8% of those resolutions make it into our life, meaning 92% of them will never, ever make it into reality. It was a good intention that never came to fruition. And so we are not really good at life change. Let's be honest about that. Um, I, I read a study that of people that were told that their lifestyle, if they were to continue in it, will be fatal for them, that, that nine out of 10 people are unable to make a change in lifestyle, even when they know it's going to be fatal for their lives. Why is that? We are not good life change. Last week we talked about vision and the phrase was see it, that we have to be able to see the change that we need to make before we could ever make that change, right? We, we need that target on the wall. We need that thing that we can aim ourselves at. And this week, the phrase that I want us to get down into our minds is uh, renew it. We're going to talk about mindsets, the mindsets of our life. And I want us to talk about what does it mean to renew it? And so to help us get that into our brains, I want us to say the phrase, renew it together on three. Here we go. One, two, three, renew it. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three, renew it. Yeah, so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. How do we renew the mindsets? And I wanna start with this premise, is that you're a little jacked up. Okay, don't be offended. Some of you got offended. Don't be offended because the people sitting next to you right now are a little jacked up and I am a little jacked up. For example, a couple years ago, I was sitting in a room with eight really, really good friends. It was a conference room. We were preparing uh, to share a prospectus for our church plant. I was uh, part of a residency called the Houston Church Planning Network Finishing Residency, and I am listening to the guys share their kind of their vision and their mission and, and what they need and all that kind of stuff, and we're, we're, we're practicing this together. It's not even the real thing, okay? We're just practicing. 
and I, I, I know that my turn's coming up, and I start to feel that, uh, that butterfly in the stomach feeling. I, I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. If you're not used to speaking in front of people and someone says, hey, why don't you stand up and share, and you start to have that little bit of that thing in you, right, some nervousness. I felt that, like, that cold sweat on my palms, like that balminess, right? And, and I'm like, knowing it's my turn, I'm going to step up to the front. And as I'm like stepping out of my chair and walking to the front, it just gets more intense. Like, I start feeling this anxiety that rises up in me. Now, mind you, for 20 years, I have been standing in front of crowds of people in either talking or singing. Right? I've, I've been in churches. I've, I've taught you know, hundreds of people on a Sunday. I was leading a college ministry where hundreds of students were coming every week. I, I led worship teams all across the, the nation in different places in front of thousands of youth. I've led small groups for the last 20 years of my life. I've, I talk to people all the time, but something happened in a room of eight friends that I couldn't explain. You see, we all have some mindsets that will keep us from making big changes in our life. And what God was revealing to me in that moment, it wasn't the people, it wasn't the room. There was a mindset in my life that was tripping me up. And I sensed the Spirit whisper to me, it's time for a change. I believe every one of us have mindsets that are kind of like an old farm road. If you've ever been uh, on, on a ranch or you've been kind of off-road before and there's those roads that get traveled all the time and the rain falls and the, and the dirt gets kind of soft and the people you know, drive on it and the ruts get really, really deep and they're so deep that you could take your hands off the wheel. You, like you don't even need to steer and your car is gonna stay like right in those ruts because it's such a well-traveled path. See, we have mindsets that are so well-traveled that we are in neutral in our lives. It's effortless. We will go down that path over and over again. Our thoughts just go that way. And God wants us to renew our minds. Our text this morning is Romans 12. If you want to start turning there. We're going to read verse 1 and 2, so just two verses uh, as our primary text this morning. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this uh, book of Romans. This was a, a, a letter that would go to all the churches. This was a very important letter that he's writing, full of correction, full of theology. It is a, a deep read, and I highly recommend it. If you've never studied Romans, you should study Romans. And what he's doing is he's been expounding God's mercy He's talking about the Gentiles and the Jews and how there's been this, this mercy now that's come to the Gentiles. And then he's going to start in, in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will 
of God. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul, writing this letter, expounding the mercies, he says, in view of those mercies, in view of that, here's what I want you to do. I urge you, like I I earnestly urge you to live your whole life. Offer your bodies as one huge thank you. Say to the Father, thank you. Like, thank you for your mercy. We just sang about your grace is enough. Right? Thank you for your mercies. We, we use this phrase here in our statement. It's that we exist to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel, the good news of the finished work of Jesus, right? This gospel into all of life, in all the earth. And that's what he's saying. Like every part of you, your body, all the active life, I want you to live it back to God as one big thank you. But Paul knows what we know from experience is that we're not really good at that. Right? We struggle. We struggle to live all of life as one big thank you. Even when we know the mercies of God, right? We know about what Jesus did. We know about the cross. We know about the resurrection. We we know that this was massive, and yet we still struggle. And Paul says, verse 2, there's a reason why. Do not be conformed to this age, but rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that word conform is like a pattern, right? It's, it's following a mold. It's, it's being conformed to something. It's complying with the, the standards, the socially accepted norms, the values of the world, which are contrary to the values and the standards and the norms of the way of God, right? They are, they are opposites. He's saying, you will be conformed, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to be transformed, and it's all about the mindset. That's what he's pointing us to. Here's my my first point, and it's the simplest of the simplest truths, but you need to hear this. Point one is, your mind can be renewed. Your mind can be renewed. Some of you are like, duh, like I, I get that, but here's the thing. We say that, we know that in church, but as soon as we walk out of here and and your spouse talks about a life change or or God prompts you with a life change, you'll say something like, well, I'm just an old dog. I can't can't learn a new trick, right? We, We have these little sayings where we let ourselves off the hook and say, that's just not how I'm wired. That's not who I am, right? We make excuses over and over again that kind of sound like we can't change. He's saying, no, no, your mind can be renewed. You're not beyond changing. You're not an old dog that can't learn a new trick. You're not hopeless. You're not doomed. You can change. In fact, God wants us to change. He really wants us to change. But I don't want you to miss the action words in this, in this verse. He says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. Now, if you were to ask me, Chris, I need to go to the bathroom. Tell me how to get there. I would say, go out that door, 
do not turn left. It's not there, right? Turn right. And if I were to tell you that, I am assuming that you have the power to turn right instead of left, correct? Right, you're not Derek Zoolander, who's not an ambi-turner. He could only turn left. I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie. If you haven't, don't see it. Your pastor should never recommend a movie like that. Okay, just forget I ever said that. We'll cut that out of the recording later. You have the power to turn right instead of left. Paul's telling these action words to say, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Here's my, here's my second point. There is a process involved. There's a process involved, and you have a part to play. Now, some of you have some stories of, like, amazing, uh, immediate breakthrough moments in your life. Some of you maybe had an addiction and you went to a service or you received prayer or, or you had an experience of the Holy Spirit and where you were immediately changed. It's like you walked in an alcoholic and you left like free. And I want to say praise God for that. Like that's amazing. I want that. I pray for that. I love that story. But for every one of those stories... There are hundreds, if not thousands, of stories like Paul where he says, please take it away. Please take it away. Please take it away. And God says, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And for some of you, you're going to want the story. You're going to want the prayer. You're going to want the breakthrough. And God's going to say, that's not how I'm working here. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn right. And every day, maybe multiple times per day, you're going to feel like you want to turn left. You're going to have the urge, I just want to go left. And God's saying, go right, go right, go right. And after weeks and months in years of practicing turning right, it's going to get easier for you to turn right. You will be able to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind through a process. And it is a God-given process. There's a reason why he's taking you on that journey, okay? There's a process involved. You have a part to play. At night, um, we will put our kids down to sleep and we pray for them and we get them all like still. That's the hardest part. Like be still, lay down, get under your covers. We pray, don't get up, right? Sure enough, 15, 20, 30 minutes later, it's not uncommon. Somebody pops out of the bedroom. It's like, dad, what? I'm scared, right? What are you scared of? Well, we watched Star Wars and uh, a guy got eaten by a Yeti. And now I'm scared, right? Now don't do what I do, which is I try to minimize their fear by making a joke. And I'm like, have you ever heard of the closet Yeti? Like it is, and they're like, what? And like, don't do that, it's, it's cruel, it's terrible. Learn from my mistakes, I tried that once. I had them convinced that there was a pool Yeti that in the corner of the pool, when they jumped in and went under the water, that a Yeti could grab them and they were like freaked out. I'm like, literally, like you, you can see through the water. There's no Yeti there, but still they believe me. It's just crazy, right? So just be careful what you tell your kids. 
sometimes they're stalling. Sometimes they are legitimately afraid. And what we've started doing is we walk them back to their beds. We lay them back down. We pray for them. We say, Lord, you know, we pray that you would take away any fear they feel. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? And then we tell them, look, if you start to feel fearful again, you can pray. Like pray and tell God. And then you can sing like worship songs. Like not out loud, don't wake up your brothers, but like in your mind, in your heart, you can sing songs. We're trying to train them how to battle the things in their mind. But here's what they tell us. And you've probably said this before. It's not working, right? Have you ever felt like your thoughts are out of control? In that moment when I was at that conference table with eight good friends, that feeling rose up in me and I didn't know how to stop it. I know the truth, but I had a hard time stopping those feelings. You ever felt that way? Like your thoughts are out of control. I, I don't want you to miss the promise that's hidden in this verse. It's in, the, it's in the word transform. That word transform is the word metamorphosis. That's, if you were to look at the Greek, that's what you would find. It's metamorphosis, right? It's, it's this change, and it's the, the classic example for us is the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly, right? The caterpillar crawls across that limb, and it finds a spot. It picks out this place, and it, it begins to, to fashion this, this chrysalis, this cocoon that it goes inside of, and then it somehow turns into this protein-rich ooze, and this ooze is filled with genetic information that forms wings and a thorax and antenna and legs, and then after a certain amount of time, it comes out radically different, Right? It comes out as this flying creature called a butterfly. It looks completely different. And that's the word that Paul's using. See, there's a process involved. When it comes to being transformed by the renewing of our mind, there's a process, there are steps that we take, we turn right instead of left. However, there is a mysterious power at work inside of you that is bigger than you. You're not the only person in this equation. God has given you his spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've placed trust in him, the spirit of God indwells your being. There's a mysterious power at work, and you're not alone in this. That's my third point. You're not alone in this. So your mind can be renewed. There's a process involved, but you're not alone in this. Titus 3, 4 and 5, it says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration, and get this, renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has come through the resurrection of Jesus to indwell your life, and he is working mysteriously for renewal inside of you. You're not alone in this. That's really, really good news. When you feel like your thoughts are out of control. So we have hope, my friends. But what I want to talk about, what I want to focus on this morning is how. Like, how do we do, how do we walk in the process? What's our strategy for renewing the mind? Well, I want to look at a verse together. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Again, Paul's writing this. And he tells these Corinthian believers, he says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. 
since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. There's a key word in there. He uses a word, strongholds. That is, uh, it could also be translated as the word fortress. It's a fortress of thoughts in which darkness dwells. It is deep ruts in our thinking where we could take our hands off the wheel and our vehicle of our life will just go right down the same pattern. It's a stronghold. It's, a, it's darkness. It's a place where we're not receiving the life of God in our thinking, right? He, he expounds on this. He says that they are arguments and every proud thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So here's what I think he's calling us to do in this passage. Number one, challenge your thoughts. Challenge your thoughts. He says that we're to take them captive. There's a, a term in meta, or a term in communication called meta, meta communication, if I can say that. And it's where you talk about how you talk, right? You communicate about how you're communicating. Husbands and wives, you might do this, right? You talk about that last argument that you had. You communicate about how you are communicating with one another. I think that Paul's calling us to meta-thinking, meaning we have to think about what we're thinking about, right? What are you thinking throughout the day? Think about your life. What are you thinking? What are you hearing? What are you believing? We have to challenge our own thoughts because on a daily basis, you and I are bombarded with millions of messages, Marketers know that. Every television show that you might watch or a movie that you might watch or a book you might read or a blog that you just read or that Facebook story that you just went past, every single one of those is laced with messages and some of them are true and good and some of them are absolutely false. They're filled with worldviews and ideas and concepts that are raised up against the knowledge of of God, and we have to challenge them. Now, that's bad enough, right? We're inundated with those messages, but it gets worse because you have a story, and in your story, you have pain, you have disappointments, you have wounds, you might have abuse, you have stuff in you that has kind of put this shadow over your life. And it's like everything you see is tinted by that story. It it has a message in it for you. And that message may not be true. It may be absolutely false. And if that's not bad enough, it gets even worse. He says that we have an enemy, Satan. Jesus said, In John 8, 44, that he is the father of lies and that when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. And he set himself against you because you are an image bearer of God. And so he seeks to diminish and destroy you 
to steal the glory of God from your life. That's what he wants to do. So we have the messages of the world that we live in. We have our own stories. We have an enemy who's whispering things to us that make us want to doubt uh, you know, all the people around us, to rehearse the hurts of our lives. Like We have all this mess, and we have to take our thoughts captive. I get to go uh, every now and then on zoo trips with my boys uh, because they've all been in school and every school has to take kids to the zoo. And so I get to go to the zoo and we love the reptile house. We walk into the reptile house. And what I like about the reptile house is that I can walk up within like a couple feet of massive snakes. And I can get right up to the glass, right? And I can see the pattern of their skin. I can see their eyes and how their tongue works. And, and I can just study them. But if I was in the wild, right, I'm not getting within two feet of that thing, right? I'm not going to get anywhere close to it because it hasn't been taken captive. It's dangerous. You see, there are thought patterns that we have to challenge because they're dangerous. And what he's saying is, look, I want you to take them captive. And then the second thing is this, I want you to consider their fruit. Consider their fruit. Like, I want you to see where these things take you. Is this deadly? Is this dangerous? Is this true? Or is it not? Is it good? Is it from God? Is it full of life? Is it full of encouragement for you? We have to consider their fruit. We have to see where they're taking us. Where do these deep ruts always lead me? Where does this line of thinking always take me? Think about fear in our lives. Some of you have just well-worn paths of fear in your life, and that can cause all kinds of feelings inside of you. One of those feelings might just be like control. Like, I've got to get control. I've got to tell everybody what to do, because if, if they don't do it, then I'm afraid this is going to happen, and so I just got to, I'm barking commands all day long to get control. Or it could be, when I get scared, I, I don't know what to do, and so I get really angry, because if I can get big and angry, then I get sort of some leverage on the situation. Everybody will kind of stand down. I can get control that way. Or fear has a way of just making us obsess. Right? You, you have a pattern in your brain where it's like you have this fear comes, and it's just like you just can't get out of this cycle. It's just obsessing over and over again. Those ruts take you to the same place time and time again every day. It could be not believing what God says about you. Right? You believe he's God, and he's Messiah, and he's Jesus, but when he says you're loved, you're like, I don't know about that. When he says, I'm with you, you're like, not sure. You fail to believe. You become insecure. It could be patterns of thinking where you just, you start going down a trail of self-loathing. Nobody likes me. They're just putting up with me. You just have these well-worn paths and the fruit is bad. It's not good. It's not what God wants. I think about me in that room with those eight friends 
There was a mindset going on. There was a wound in me that said, you're alone in this. That's one of the messages of just my stories is that you're alone in this sense of like your heavenly father, he's not really with you and all this rests on you. And if this all fails, well, then it's your fault. And so then I would start to feel like this, this angst and this anxiety and this almost like a paralyzed feeling of like, ah, it's all on my shoulders. It always takes me there. But we don't stop there. We have to challenge our thoughts. We have to consider their fruit. And then third, we have to make them obey Jesus. That's so important. Like, don't miss what he says here. Right? He says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He wants your mind to be renewed, and the only way that that's going to be renewed is if we make our thoughts obey Jesus. You uh, have probably heard the term or used the term before, brown noser. Y'all, y'all know what that means, right? It's the, it's the person who uh, kisses the proverbial buttocks of another person, and uh, they are saying flattering words, right? They're, they're full of hot air. They're, they're full of just empty phrases. And I was thinking about the mantra of our kind of uh, pop pseudo-psychology, which says, think positive, And that sounds like such a great message. We could stand up here and say, think positive, everyone. And you could say that in the, you know, wherever. You know, Oprah could say that. We're all like, think positive. That sounds so nice. But I'm afraid that some of that is like personal brown nosing. It's like empty phrases. There's no substance. Friends, in, in Jesus Christ, we have something so much better than thinking positive. We can think truth. We can think true thoughts. There is a written word of God for you, and if you will read it and you will love it and you will study it, if you get yourself in your Bible on a daily basis, you're going to find words that you're going to start hanging your life on. And it's not empty phrases. It's the eternal, never-ending word of God. It will work every single Time, but we have to take that thought and make it obey Jesus. God's given us spiritual weapons like His truth, and they demolish fortresses of evil. Truth is like a bulldozer that just pushes down those old thinking patterns. Colossians 1:13 says, He Our Father has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Meaning this, wherever that fortress, wherever that fortress of thoughts is, wherever the the enemies have been whispering to you, I just want to tell you, He can whisper, but He has no authority over you anymore in the name of Jesus. You're not under His thumb anymore. You've been transferred out of His domain And you can take those thoughts and make them obey Jesus. Lastly, dwell on truth. Dwell on truth. I was fascinated this week. I was learning about brain science. There's a whole field of brain science that I've been kind of learning about just a little bit here and there. And I thought, well, renewing the mind, I should 
study brain science. And so I was uh, studying this phrase that's emerged that says, um, uh, the, the neurons that fire together wire together. And that inside of your mind, I thought this was fascinating, right? there's billions of, of neurons and you have more electrical impulses in, in a day in your thoughts than all the cell phones of the world combined inside your one brain. Like, isn't that fascinating? That when they look at the pictures, the scans of the brain, they can see all these, these actual activity of things lighting up as you're having thoughts. And, and one of the things that they've discovered is that your brain, whenever you have a new thought, these neurons will, will begin to kind of attach and they can like literally see things attaching inside of your brain. And as you continue to have that new thought, it becomes a network of neurons, and that becomes a strong kind of, of pathway. And as it connects to the kind of the central part of your brain, your brain will actually unbond itself with old thoughts that are less loud and will rebond or make a new bond with new thoughts that are louder. Like literally, your brain is constantly rewiring itself. So we can see in the biological realm what we're talking about in the spiritual realm that your mind will actually be renewed, but it was by intentionally thinking new thoughts. Paul told us this thousands of years ago, Philippians 4.8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. It's where we take our thoughts captive, make them obey Jesus, and we, we, we push them in this other way. We make them dwell. We make them sit somewhere, like take your shoes off and stay for a while. Dwell on these things to meditate on truth. So, friends, your mind can be renewed. There's a process involved. You're not alone in this, and God's given us a strategy we have to challenge our thoughts, consider their fruit, make them obey Jesus, and dwell on truth. And here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that God really wants to change you. He wants to change your mind. He wants to teach an old dog some new tricks. He, uh, he wants to help us make the changes that he's calling us to make. And I think that some of us have been like an airplane circling that airport, unable to land. Like you've just been in this holding pattern. Or some of you have had the same pattern in your life emerge over and over again. Same story, different decade. And it's here. It's your mindset. Let's pray together this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.